Can I pray? And then we'll preach, talk about how we're wired. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your word this morning, uh, every morning, every day. Thanks so much that um, your rhema, your living word comes to us. And uh, you, you want to teach us, God, about this life that you've designed for us. You want to show us how to live. Uh, you want to lead us, whether we know you not or whether we've known you a long time. You want to just be in front of us beckoning us down the path that you've made for us. So, Lord, as we talk about that today and the, in the weeks to come, would you lead us to a proper understanding of how you've designed us, and would you lead us, God, in living out your design? That's all we can ask. If we do that, God, Lord, we know that great things come from uh, using things as directed, and that's our prayer for this time. Uh, open, open the word, uh, open our eyes, open our ears, get me out of the way, speak in my place, and I pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. If you look around, it is not hard to, uh, to believe this, this statement, that everything has design. You're sitting in chairs today that were designed to hold you up. Is anybody grateful for that? Ever sat in one that wasn't designed so well? Yeah, uh, everything has designs. You're going to get in cars and, and you're going to get in, the, in those vehicles as you drive home. You're going to turn the key and it's designed to turn on when you turn that key. And it's designed to, you know, when you put it in gear to start moving in whatever direction. Uh, uh, I, I'm building a house right now, rebuilding a house, and I'm, I'm marvel. This is why God didn't make me a contractor. I would have quit like the second day because <laughs> there's too many details. It's just, it's, it's exhausting. And all the things have to line up. Like if the electrician uh, doesn't pay attention to what the plumber's doing and the plumber doesn't pay attention to what the HVAC guy's doing and they, they start hogging pieces of the wall that are needed by everybody, then guess what? You've got to rip that whole thing out and start over. Why? Because it's designed to work a certain way, everything in harmony. When these, when these musicians get up and play, is everybody grateful that they all play off the same sheet of music? Can you imagine them all getting up here and just being like, you know what, I'm going to play this song. I know we're supposed to be playing this one, but I like this one. You know, smoke on the water, here it comes. You know. No, they all play together, and because they play together, we have, it, it's harmonious. It, it, there's, there's, it sounds good. Otherwise, it's cacophony. There's a good SAT word, right? Uh, design, it's, it's, it's how everything is. I mean, down to your atomic level, your quarks and all, I don't know if you heard about those, but the subatomic particles that make you and me up and all the world, it's all by design. Now, when things are designed to, to such an intricate level, it, it kind of begs for the, there, there to be a designer. Someone designed these things. And that's, that's essentially what we're going to be talking about in, in the next few weeks. Oh, I was going to say, where's my iPad? It's in my back pocket. How's it going? Design. Design matters. We're going to talk about how we're wired and how God intended things to work. We're going to spend seven or eight weeks on this, but really, every time I get up here, that's what I preach on. In fact, I think that's what my job is as your pastor, is to basically dig into the Bible with you and discern with you God's design. And then uh, hopefully, uh, passionately and with God's help spiritually, deliver that message so that you and I can go out and live the way God wants us to. I mean, that's, that's, listen, if you and I, are, if, if we follow Jesus Christ and we have faith in Jesus Christ, we have accepted his design for how things are meant to work. That he, uh, that God exists, that the only way to him is through Jesus, it's his design that we follow by faith Jesus Christ to become reconciled to God. Is everybody with me on this? It's all about his design. So the next eight weeks we're going to focus on it, but I think every week uh, my job is to help you to understand uh, God's design. Now, when we, when we function outside of God's designs, here's something I know is true. Not just God's design, but any design. If you use something uh, that, that, that was designed for a certain thing outside of its purpose, 
outside of its design, then A, it's not going to work, and B, things are probably going to go really bad for you. Anybody ever trained a driver? I've trained four drivers. They're all in my house, and I've sat on the passenger seat, uh, you know, risking my life. That's what it is. You're risking your life because you don't have any pedals in front of you. You're not the driver's ed car, you know, and they got the cheat pedal, the brake right there. They can hit it anytime they want. If you're, I'm, in a, I'm in a vehicle I cannot control. The only thing I can do is grab the wheel and steer as far away from the accident that is going to happen as possible. Are you with me? That's all I got. And so I've done that, and I've tried to help my kids understand the design of how this is supposed to work. Uh, my, my daughter, Kai, is the last one that I'm training, and, and she's figuring out. She's getting better. Kai, I don't want you out there. Are you out there? There you are. How you doing? But she's... Uh, you know, the, the turn thing is something that she's still working on. She gets it backwards. You, you're supposed to take your foot off the gas and kind of go slow into the turn and then put your foot back on the gas and accelerate out of it. Everybody who drives, isn't that what you do, right? When Kai started driving, she had those in reverse, okay? She'd come up to the turn, and all of a sudden it was NASCAR. Here we go. Ah! And we'd try to get it up on two wheels, right? And then she'd kind of break once she got into the intersection, right? And it's like, no, <laughs> I said this a little more strenuously, but it's like, you know, uh, no, babe, we, we got to do that differently, right? <laughs> Can everybody picture me in traffic saying that a little differently? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, if, if, you, if you don't, what's on every bottle of medicine you ever get? Use as directed, right? Because if you don't use as directed, you're going to die, Right? If you swallow the whole, pill, the whole bottle of 100 pills in that one sitting, you're like, oh, these, these are like Tic Tacs. They're delicious. No. If you eat them all, bye-bye, right? Use as directed. You get, when you get a prescription, I mean, I don't know, but I got like five pages of here's what you don't do when you're taking this. Don't do this. And if you don't do that, then you're going to be okay. If you do do those things that says don't do, this is getting confusing. But everybody picking up what I'm putting down? When I was a little kid, just one more, just so I can hammer this home. No pun intended. I know. That's all right. I'm going to preach as long as I want. It's all right. Uh, uh. <clears throat> we had like three tools in my house growing up. I'm not kidding. We had the screwdriver, had two bits, so if you had to go flathead or Phillips, you could. Uh, we had the hammer and the pliers, which were the wrench as well. <clears throat> and, uh, <laughs> and so... I would, I would be working outside. Anybody ever build a, like a tree fort or something like that, a tree house? I'd find all this scrap wood out in the yard, and, and uh, I'd, I'd want to go make something, you know, kill time. This was before video games. Try to picture that, young people. Uh, and so, you know, I'd, I'd just try building stuff. And, and sometimes uh, I'd go inside, and I couldn't find the hammer right away, so I said, well, I'll just use the screwdriver. And I'd go out, and I'd, I'd find all these rusty nails, and I'd try to beat with the handle of the screwdriver, beat nails into two-by-fours. Is this, is this what this was made for? Now, can you use it that way? but it's not gonna work, all right? The best thing I could have done was take a little more time, impatient Mark, find the hammer, oh, and then miss, and hammer that sucker in, right? Now, sometimes I would find the hammer, not the, the screwdriver, and I'd come up against some screws that had been driven, and I'd try to get the screws out with a hammer. Anybody ever tried that? That's, that's not a functional thing, right? Sit there and yank and pull and strip the wood out and all that stuff. What, what should I have done? I should have gone into the house and gotten one of these things because this was designed for the purpose of removing. Okay, have I illustrated enough? Has everybody picked up what I'm putting down? God designed us to work a certain way. We're going to spend the next uh, seven or eight weeks talking about that design. 
We're going to talk about it in terms uh, specifically of who God has made us to be as males and females. How about that? Males and females. We're different. Did you know that? (laughs) Some of you are like looking at each other like, yeah, we are. (laughs) We are. We're very different. Okay? So we're going to talk about the differences because as God made us, male and female, in his image, he made us unique, different. And there's, 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 there's things that he wants us to be as men and as women that we need to follow him in, just like every other part of his design uh, it was meant to be. Now, now, to that, let me just give a couple disclaimers. First of all, <clears throat> what God sees as male and female may not fit our discernments or our, dis- our descriptions of those same things. Like, who remembers this poem growing up? Anybody remember this? What are little boys made of? What are little boys made of? Snips and snails and puppy dog tails. A mother wrote this, didn't she? A mother of like four completely obnoxious boys sat down one day and said, I'm going to write a poem, and I'm going to tell you what boys are made of, and then I'm going to tell you about the girl I never had and what I think she's made of, right? (laughs) That's what happened here. Because what does she describe little boys? Little boys are made of snips and snails. You know what a snip is? Everyone, does anybody know what a snip is? I didn't know. I had to look it up. A snip is an eel. It's a baby eel. All right? So what are little boys made of? Slimy eels, nasty slugs or snails, all right? And then puppy dog tails that they happened to cut off the uh, dog when he wasn't looking, right? Think, think this mother's tired of her boys? A little bit, right? Because then's what she write. What are little girls made of? Little girl, little, what are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and everything nice. So slanted. But that, you know, nursery rhymes, that's, that's what we were always told. Boys are nasty, gross. They like to, you know, make gas and smell it. You know, that's those, they're over there. And, and that's what boys do. And girls are all, you know, frilly and, okay, but here's the deal. Have you ever, <laughs> right? That's what, that's what the poem describes, sugar and spice, everything nice, right? But have you, met, have you met a male or a female that doesn't fit those descriptions? I know guys who don't like to get dirty. Does that make them any less male? No, they're just clean, right? <laughs> I know girls who love to get dirty. You know, I, I, I know girls who can outman most men I know, right? But does that make them any less female? Well, not necessarily, not at all, right? So here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that all we're going to concern ourselves with is what God says a man is and what God says a woman is. And if, you don't, if, you, if you're an outlier, if you fall outside of the boxes that a lot of people say, this is woman, this is man, we're not going to concern ourselves with those things. Now, so, so does everybody understand, disclaimer, it's not one size fits all. Anybody ever get a hat that said one size fits all and you're like, no, it doesn't? Anybody ever got that? If you haven't, it's, you don't have the size head that I do. I have like a seven and three quarters head, and I'm just telling you, some of those elastic band hats, they're lying. It's not one size fits all because I can't fit it over my dome, all right? It's the same thing. With the, with the gender descriptions, it's not one size fits all. You could be fully uh, within God's design as a man or a woman and not be, you know, typical in, in those descriptions as well. Everybody with me? Okay. But, but look, as, as long as I'm saying that, let me give you disclaimer number two. Uh, we live in a world that is trying to completely erase the lines between male and female. They're trying not to have any distinctions at all. Now, now some of that's good. I, I'm not saying that there's you know, uh, miscarriages of justice between, you know, women's rights and men's rights and, 
I'm saying there's going to be times where, where blurring lines or erasing lines is a good thing, right? There, there should be equality in lots of things. Everybody agree with me on that? I'm not going to make a list, but everybody agree with me that that's probably a good thing? But then there's some times where, where the lines just get so blurred. Like, um, like right now, I, I, I tried to figure this out, but I heard it in a sermon that I heard. And by the way, I'm, I'm totally uh, lifting this sermon from another church. I, I, I listen to a guy preach these sermons. His name is Matt Chandler. If you want to listen to him, it's way better than me. But uh, uh, I was so inspired by the things that I heard there, I'm, I'm basically repackaging what he said. Uh, so just so we're all clear uh, on that. Uh, but Matt said in one of her, his sermons that you can define yourself on Facebook as either male or female or 70 other descriptions. 70. And you're like, that, that boggled my mind too. But there's, there's no one wants, to, political correctness says, no, let's not put someone too much into a box. You know, if you're a, a male uh, physically, you know, you get the, the uh, exterior plumbing, uh, but, but you are, you know, mentally a female. Well, then you could describe yourself as that. Uh, if, if you're not sure which, you could describe yourself, are, are you with me? And so there's all these descriptions in our culture. No one wants to say that you can't be what you think you are because, well, that would be discriminatory. Or, but, but here's the deal. What God is going to say is that, yeah, yeah, we can try to blur all the lines that we want, but there is male and there is female. There are some rudimentary, uh, cannot be reduced elements of my design that should be a part of who we are. Are you with me? So we don't want to be too simplistic and too stringent in our definitions of male and female, but we don't want to be so loose that we lose the genders altogether. Are you with me? And so we're going to talk about God's design for men and women. I just love talking about God's design, though. And, and I don't know if you've pondered this lately, but God's design is amazing. It says in Jeremiah that, that we as humans are fearfully and wonderfully made. It says, when it says fearfully, it says, says awe-inspiringly. We are, I mean, just look at your hand. Everybody put your hand out in front of your face. Think about it. Everybody just twiddle your fingers and stuff. Is everybody doing that? Anybody doing that? Some of you aren't doing that. Why aren't you doing that? Come on, let's just play. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> you got it out in front of your face. Now, your brain is sending a signal down your arm through your nervous system and it's telling your hands to keep doing it. Come on, jazz hands, come on. It's telling you, you're moving these things. Okay, stop. All right, that's weird. Okay, stop. But is, have you ever just sat and just pondered your paw? It's an amazing piece of engineering. Your brain moves all. I, I got on one of these digger things, you know, the, 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 the back loader, the, the what is it, uh, excavator. And, and it had all these hydraulic, you know, and I had to move this and this and this, and I could move this arm this way and t- turn the whole body this way and all that stuff. And it was all these handles. You and I just do this with our heads. We just go, na 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 Sometimes in traffic we use different, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, we, but we can do this. And have you ever just sat there and been like, wow, look at that? No, because you're, you've had this your whole life. And you're like, you take it for granted. And it's not amazing to you. It just is. But we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're, we're, as God created, we are amazing. It's unbelievable. Think about your eyeball. Everybody thought about your eyeballs lately? You've got this, it basically looks like a donut hole jammed in your skull, and it, it's, made, it's made out of jello, right? It's just this gelatinous orb. It's in there. It's got lenses. It flips the image upside down puts it off the back of your eyeball and sends a, a, a message to your brain that this is what you're seeing. You know what, my, I'm, I'm, we're not going to get into evolution and stuff, but the eyeball is my biggest problem with evolution. 
what in evolution would make something that doesn't have sight even understand that there's something to see and then choose to evolve an eyeball? No one's explained that one to me yet. No matter how many permutations, where does eyeball come from? Who says, man, it'd be great if we could see around here and then, you know, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to be patronizing, but it's like, come on, seriously? Eyeball? Some genetic goo is going to come up with eyeball. All right, don't get me started. Anyway, I'm sure there's scientists, well, this is, no, you don't know, you don't know at all. Because it was created. God made the eyeball. <laughs> I'm going to get emails, but all right. Uh, <laughs> we start with this one central truth. I don't know where I am in the notes. Uh, this one central truth. Uh, now I'll skip that. Uh, this one, there we go. God is our designer and our creator. God's our designer and he's our creator. And it's amazing what he's done. We know this from Genesis chapter 1. That's where I'm going to uh, have you start. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, it's the first verse. Who's had that? Anybody got this one memorized? All right. Anybody ever tells you, you know anything in the Bible? You'd be like, uh, Jesus wept. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know a verse. There it is, right there, right? It's the first one in. But it's an amazing, it's pregnant. It's this pregnant verse. There's so many great things in this verse. Like, he, he's just talking about creating, but he's, he's, he's talking about three major things that he's created. Let's talk about what God has created. What, what has God created? God created, first of all, in this verse, time. He created time. Because what does it say there? In the, God created. Beginning connotes time. Like this sermon started. <laughs> it should finish. Right? But we are, we are contained as human beings in the time continuum. We exist in time. We are uh, physically created at the point of conception, I believe. All right? Then we burst onto the earth. We have however long we have. Some of you are at the tail end of yours. Others are at the beginning of theirs, right? But we have this set amount of time. When you get to your tombstones or go out, look at one, in, you know, in, in your time as you're remembering someone who's gone on before us, there's a number. Born, dash, dead, all right? I don't mean to be stark there, but, but that little line in the middle is your life, and that life is contained by time. Now, listen, for the sake of time, there's only one who exists outside of time. There's only one who has never begun, because he's always been. And theists believe that to be God. God has always been. This is a huge problem for evolution. I'm not, again, that's, I told you this isn't about evolution. But one of my favorite questions to ask somebody who talks about the Big Bang Theory is where did the stuff that was floating around come from? Well, it came from this or this. Okay, where did that come from? Okay, from this or this. Well, where did that come from? And it's kind of this obnoxious, you know, ask the same question over and over again. But what are, you, what are you trying to do? If you're a theist, you're trying to get people who say, well, we came from this to admit that cause and effect is in play. If, if something exists, something had to make that something. Or there has to be something that is always eternal. Are you with me? Those gases that floated around, you know, collided at high speeds and blew up and, you know, spurred on a great comedy show. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's great. Anyway, uh, but you know, all that happened because either there were eternal things or is there, there is an eternal somebody who made the things. Are you with me? 
And Jesus is that eternal somebody. Or God, well, Jesus is too, but God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are preceders of the beginning. Now, because they precede the beginning, everything that proceeds from the beginning is about God. Did you get that? If something precedes, then all the proceeds go to him. First one in, everything points back to the first one in. Like there's inventors of things. Someone invented the car. Someone invented, who was it, Fulton did the steam engine. Oh, that's for, I pulled that like out of seventh grade social studies right there. But there's all, and so every, you can look at all these other models of cars, but there was an original. You can look at all these other models of anything, but someone came up with, now, <clears throat> point there, everything that is. God created what we call ex nihilo. In the, in the Latin, it means out of nothing. He created all things, and he just said, sun, moon, stars, light, darkness, uh, humans, animals. Boom, there it was. Created them. And because he preceded all of them, everything that is created should proceed back to him. He's, he created everything for his glory. God, I'm way off base here, but God created time. God created, secondly, matter and space. God created matter and space. Look what it says. In the beginning, God created the Heavens, space. You read anything about space lately? Anybody, anybody here a little space, space head, you know, uh, just loves looking through a telescope? I'm, I'm fascinated. I don't know everything about it, but I'm fascinated by what scientists are discovering beyond our galaxies. Did you know that scientists, they, they did a, a, a mathematical equation or whatever and came up with this. There's 100 billion uh, galaxies, 100 billion with a B, buh, 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 billion. That's a lot of galaxies, I don't know how they counted them, but that's that's what they've come up with, right? We have ours, right, the Milky Way, delicious. Who's hungry? Anybody? But even within our galaxy, we have our solar system. And there's how many stars are in our solar system? Anybody know? Just the one. It's our sun. Our sun is our star, all right? But do you know that scientists believe there's 200 billion stars, other suns, essentially, that are out there. Now, some people hear this. They go to college, and they hear scientists start talking about this, and they're like, oh, my, my faith is so stupid, so small. Because God just talks about, you know, creating the heavens and the earth, and he's probably just talking about, you know, the solar system, and, you know, it's just so small. And obviously, it can't be true because God didn't take into account. How, where, where'd you get that? Where, how'd your God get so small? Don't let science scare you away from faith. Let science bolster your faith. Don't let, don't let all these smart guys with letters after their name say, well, there is no God because I found this. There is a God who made that. And you just got around to finding it. Is everybody with me on that? I don't know if you are, but that's how I believe. Like, I love science. I love when science says this, this, and that, and this, and this, and we discover this. I'm like, great, look at how you guys are totally mining what God has already made, ex nihilo. You're figuring out the God stuff. Proving our point. He created matter, everything, all that you see, everything that is empirically measured using the scientific method. He created all of it. So from the very hugest of huge things in vast outer space to the very smallest of small things at the molecular level of you and me and everything else that exists, God created it all. And by the way, God created it all to work a certain way. Did you know that if our planet was five degrees tilted this way or five degrees tilted that way, we're all dead. 
Like we are perfectly placed in the gravitational orbiting of, of, of the sun, in our, in our spinning. Everything is perfectly ordered so that you and I don't fly off the earth so that everything can live that lives. I mean, study science. It is design, 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 design. And when you see the intricacies, I mean, there's books written and stories told of scientists who who went into the depths of science and found the design so overwhelming that they became Christians. They had to believe in a God because because the, 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 the data supported a designer. God created time, God created matter and space, God created the earth and all it is, and we get to watch it on the Discovery Channel. Shark Week, come on. Who loves some Shark Week? Anybody love some Shark Week? Those creatures are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? But, but you, get to, you get to just, I don't know, if you've ever traveled, did you ever get to go, you know, stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, some of these places that you're like, oh, and scientists are all like, you know, glaciers and all that, so I'm not going to refute any of those things, it's not the time or the place, but can't we just be like, wow, look what God did, look at this stuff, it's amazing, I mean, even if glaciers rolled through here, and even if this and that and all these other things, God made the glaciers. God made, I mean, God made this, the earth and all it is. If you keep reading in Genesis, you'll keep reading about how he did it. You know, he, he, on this day, created this, and on this day, created this. He, and at the end of each one of those days, he said, ah, oh, this is good. This is good. He's our designer. He's our creator. So in the time we have left and in the weeks to come, here's, here's some, uh, some things I hope we discover as we go through this series. I hope we discover uh, how God's design that can help us understand ourselves, especially as we get into us being male and female and all those things. Uh, he has a design for everything. He's created everything. How, how can his design help us understand ourselves? Just a few things as we leave today. First, we can know what we are. So I'm like, yeah, I'm a human. Duh. How's it going? Well, okay, you're human, but, but, but I, we need to understand ourselves as humans uh, in the context of God being who he is and us being who we are. Because a lot of times we mix that up. <laughs> uh, we need to understand that we are the created and that God is the creator. And I will tell you this, spiritually speaking, theologically speaking, sin occurs when we forget that that's true, that we're the created, meant to live within God's design, and he is our creator and our designer. When we step outside of that, when we forget to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lead not on our own understandings and all of our ways, acknowledge him and let him direct our paths, when we get outside of that, guess what happens? It's called sin. Go to the garden, Adam and Eve. What, did, what was Satan's big temptation for them? Hey, if you eat of this, you know what? You're going to be just like who? You're going to be a creator. You're going to be on par with God. And at the core of every sin that you and I ever commit, every sin starts with this belief, hey man, I can do this because I am my own God. I don't have to behave according to God's plan. I don't have to live according to his purposes. I can do what I want because in my mind, I am God. Anybody ever have someone come in and be like, who died and made you? Anybody ever have someone? It's that, you know, it could seem like sacrilegious or something like that. It's a great question, theologically speaking. If someone's out of line, off course in the design, they got, it's a great question. Who died and made you God? 
Well, no one did, and you're not. Another way of thinking of this is that uh, we, we can know what we are. We're created. We're not the point. There was an old worship song, you know, 10, 15 years ago that started out like this. Uh, it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me, right? Remember that one? I'm probably saying the long as Ryan's wrong. But it was a great worship song because right out of the shoot with this song, it put creator and created in right spots. It's not about me. But how many, how many of us, if, if, you know, we shine the bright light on you, put the bamboo shoots under your fingernails, you know, really push you on this one? How many of us think we are the point? Some of you are like, hmm. Or how many of us wish we were the point? How about that one? Huh? Anybody come home after a hard day's work and, and your kids need from you and your wife needs from you, your husband needs from you, and you're like, ah! Somebody serve me up around here. Somebody make me the point. It's all about me, right? It's not about you. Yeah, we want to sing that song. But is that, is that who we are? Is that what we are? Are we the point? No. We are not the point. Nothing terminates on us. We are not God. Nothing, should, nothing exists to glorify us. Everything was created to reflect glory back on the one who created and this is a problem in the, in the, in the Christ walk, in the, in the Christ life, in the Christian faith. A lot, of, a lot of Christians out there, all of us are susceptible to it, but some of us have never grown past it. Immature belief is this belief that my Christianity is about me. My faith is about me. I'll follow Jesus as long as he's making me happy. I'll follow Jesus as long as he's solving my problems and fixing my, my messes. Because it's all about me. It's all about me being comfortable. It's all about me receiving the scriptures don't teach that. It's not in there. And you look it up. Philippians chapter 2 tells us that we need to be like Jesus. Why? Because he could walk on water and did amazing things. Is that what he wanted to be? No. We need to be like Jesus in that he came and humbled himself. Became a servant. He, he knew that even as the son of God, he, he wasn't going to claim his rights. And all. He, he was going to sacrifice himself. The Christ life is a life of understanding. I'm created. He's the creator. It's not about me. You know what, you know what it's like? We're all Kanye's. Anybody seen Kanye when he went up on uh, Kanye West? Anybody familiar? Some of you are like, what? What's a Kanye? Kanye West is a, is a musical artist, a rapper, and, uh, and he, he gets himself in just you know, horrible positions. One, one, one year he went up and he, he, Taylor Swift was accepting an award for video of the year. Kanye came up. And remember, he just grabbed the mic from Taylor Swift and he's like, you know, Taylor Swift did a great job, but Beyonce had the best video this year. Anybody see that? What did you think when you saw that? What a jerk. Did you think that? The audacity of that guy. The judges had voted or the fans had voted and Taylor won. And she's standing there accepting her award. Here comes this guy, yanks the mic out. Beyonce should have won. Bam. You know, and walks off. How rude. How presumptuous. How arrogant. You and I do it all the time. God says, this is how it should be. Yanks the mic. Yeah, I know that's what it was supposed to be, but this is how it should really be. Drop the mic, walk off, and do what we want. <laughs> We're all little Kanye's, aren't we? <laughs> Change your mind about yourself a little bit there? You little Kanye, you. We can know what we are. We can know why we are here. 
You can know why we are here. We, you, you, you make known to me that it says in, in Psalm, yeah, we can know why we're here. In Psalm 16, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, David talking to God, in your presence, there is fullness. When I'm on your path, there's fullness of joy. When I'm at your right hand, there's, there's pleasures forevermore. Even when things are a mess out there. Has anybody met this person who's like, okay, even though, they, even though, ugh, even though things aren't? Does it boggle your mind, some mind that people are okay when they're walking through cancer, when their families are blowing up? Why are you okay? Well, because most of these people that I've you know, met and experienced, they've understood that there's a path that I'm on. God's got me. I'm going to stay on this path. And even though everything's blowing up out here, the storm's blowing, I'm just going to keep walking this path. I'm not a robot. I, I feel. I'm emoting. I'm not in a denial. But I am confident that the path I'm on with God is the best path that I can walk in a terribly difficult and hard world. It says in Jeremiah that God knows the plans that he has for us, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. When, when we accept God's design, we can have a future and we can have a hope. Jesus talked about this. He said in John 10.10, 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, and I came that they may have life and have it to the full. You know what the world is? The world's this thief, and it just wants to rob from us. All these paths, all these options, we're going to talk about some of them as we discuss being male and being female. There's all these options out there for what you could be as a man and for what you could be as a female, but there's just this one path that God wants us to walk. And those other paths, what are they going to do for us? They're going to be these substitute paths, these counterfeit paths. And anytime we do, you do things outside of the design, anytime we use things and use them not as directed, what's going to happen? It's not going to work, and it's probably going to make a mess. It's a thief. These alternate paths that come to steal and kill and destroy. But he says, I came so that you may have life and have it abundantly. My paths, good. Other paths, bad. James talks about it. In James chapter 1, verse 16, he says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. It's all the other Christians. He says in verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Good things that come in life, Listen, even if you don't believe there's a God, if good things are happening to you, I believe as a theist, as, a, as a, a believer in God, that those good things came as the general grace of God was poured out on your life. That's, that's, you can attribute those things to the God you don't believe in. Okay? And then the good things that come to those of us who follow him, who have faith in Jesus Christ, who are walking this path, those, those every good, those are the good gifts. The perfect gifts, the ones that are just like right on time, just for you in that situation, because you're sowing and reaping, because you're living the Christ life and walking the path, those good things that come, well, that's, that's from the Father too. He gives the general gifts, the good ones. He gives the perfect gifts, the specific ones. And he gives them to all <clears throat> without favor. He makes the sun shine on the wicked and the, and, the, and, the, and the righteous. How great is our God, right? But his path, man, that, that one's paved with the really good stuff, the perfect stuff. And did you see the last part of that? It says that uh, they come down from the fathers of light in who there is no shadow. That means there's no turning. Like, like if I went outside and I stood in different directions, you know, the shadow would be cast in different ways. Or as, as the sun passed over me, the shadow would be in different places. Everybody follows me on that, right? 
Why are there shadows in different places during the day? Sun moves. Or we do, I guess. Who's circling the sun? We're circling the sun? What's up, Copernicus? How's it going? Anyway, we're we're orbiting the sun, so the shadow moves, right? Uh, Does God move? No, has has his design ever changed? And this is one of the things we're going to confront here in the next few weeks, is is that as our culture evolves, as as our thinking evolves on things, then we, we tend to try to pigeonhole or push God into our understandings of things rather than reflect back on what his design is. Are you with me? It's happening in our culture. Over and over again, it's like, well, God meant this. Let's reinterpret the scriptures. Let's make them say this. No, no. The Bible says that God does not change. His design, his idea of perfection, his path that he wants us to walk on, same as it ever was, same as it ever was, right? That's how he rolls. I'm out of time. I told you we live in a time continuum. God created time. Ours is up. Here's what I hope, though, happens over these next few weeks. We're going to get into it next week. We're going to talk about the fact that we are created in God's image. John, or Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28 says, hey, let us create uh, man in our, in our own image. God says this about himself. We're going to understand that the, the greatest quest of us as creatives is, is to reflect God, his character, to, to, to be his agents here on earth. God gave us dominion over all creation. We're higher than the animals. In my house, uh, there's, there's eight of us who I call family and then a dog. If we're running out of food at a meal, who doesn't eat? Eleanor, you're right. No, that's horrible. Was anybody thinking that? That's terrible. What's the matter with you? Hopefully everybody in here was thinking the dog, right? And here's why the dog doesn't eat. The dog's not human. Some of you think yours is. He's not. He's, I mean, I'm glad you like him. I'm glad you got the bumper sticker that you love your bloodhound or whatever it is. But that dog's not human. And there's an order in creation, and we were given the dominion. This is why most of you are going to go out for lunch today, and you're going to eat an animal. You are. I'm not, I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be gross. You're going to eat an animal. And you're not even going to think about it. You're going to be like, this steak is delicious. That steak was mooing in the yard a couple months ago. Some of the vegetarians are like, gross. You're, listen. You eat stuff that popped out of the ground that God created to. Everybody relax. You know, you know why you do? Because God, that's how God made it. We're, we're his image bearers. We are, the, the, the old uh, English word is viceroy. Vice means instead of or on behalf of, and roy is the French word for king. And so we're the viceroys of God. We're created in his image, and we are rulers in his stead here on earth. And we are, to, we are meant to be Templates, or, or, or to fit into the template that God is. We're, we're image bearers of our king. And so that's what we're going to discover together. I'm excited to talk to you about it. I hope you come back and listen to us. I'm going to start with the men next week. Ladies, come with your elbows sharpened. You're going to get to poke your husbands and significant others next to you as I talk about our roles as men. And then, fellas, we'll switch you know, sides and we'll talk about the ladies and the uh, and we're going to see that, that God has a design. And when, listen, if you didn't get anything else I said today, God's design is best. It's how it's supposed to work. When we walk in it, 
We have life and life to the full when we walk outside of it, when we go outside of any, anything that's been designed by him. If we controvert his design, it's not going to work eventually, and it's probably going to be a hot mess. So may God help us walk in his design. Amen? God, thanks so much for your word. Uh, help us to live by it and to live for you, giving you the glory you deserve, I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week. If you're new, come and say hi. We'll talk to you next week.